This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Debbie Lauks, host of Horsemanship Radio. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm host of lots of things. (laughs) And I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for October 6th, episode 2534. And it's brought to you today by Stateline Tech. Good morning, horse people. Poor Jen, we just got you doing way too much. We've got (laughs) Jen producing today. Where is Glenn right now? Uh, Glenn is currently making noises in the kitchen and Ah. (laughs) probably eating more jello. He's been on the no actual food thing now for 24 hours. He's looking a little, he's looking a little pale. Yeah. A little peakish. Yeah, a little peakish. Peckish. Peckish. Yes. (laughs) Use your grandma's Uh, word. He's a little peckish. A little peckish right now. All right. Well, give him our love. Why don't you tell everybody what is coming up on today's show? Coming up on today's show, it's jam-packed. We are going to start out by heading to Mongolia. That's right. Uh, No Gobi Gallup this year, but Julie Valu is going to do the 2020 version, and she's inviting us all along to watch virtually. So she's going to stop by, and she's actually in Mongolia right now, so we're going to cross our fingers that the Skype works. She's going to tell us all about that. And then Dr. Grev stops by mid-show for our health segment, and she's going to talk about forage basics, how to keep your pastures looking fabulous, because we're coming into fall, and autumn pastures need help, too. And then to wrap things up, it's Wednesday, so Black Rains Magazine has provided us a guest. A gal by the name of Tori Bush is going to share her story. And she's from your neck of the woods, Lawton, Oklahoma. Yeah, she's a little southwest of me, but, you know, it's still Oklahoma. (laughs) Still okie dokie. So, uh, yeah, it's now this time. Debbie's Daily Winnie. Daily Winnie. Woo! I would love to congratulate all the powers that be that have been like dominoes are falling about whips and racing. How about that? 30 years later, we're excited that, yeah, there's, I mean, there's this integrity and safety act that they've just passed um, throughout the equine world, but really everybody knows it's like focused on racing, but good for them. So I have seen different things. Golden Gate Fields came out with a big, page right in the front of their little catalog that everybody gets when they remember there's no audience so it goes to all the trainers and jockeys and everybody involved with the back track back side of the track and it says no crops will be used and it says for safety only and like no hitting and so they're starting to dictate and then i heard another racetrack say you can you can hit twice and then you have to take a break you can't and then twice and then take a break and one last you know and no 
like no welts and stuff. And then that's it, like six tops. So I'm hearing all this crazy, you know, let's make it up as we go kind of stuff, taking whips out of racing. But the gist is they're reducing the crop use. And I think pretty soon, just like all the other countries before us, they'll just go away. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a start in the right direction. I don't know why America has to make it so difficult and like time everything and count yeah. everything. Just get yeah. rid of them for Just God's sake. But you them. know what? I know the jockeys freak out about it. So I think it's a great start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my daily winning, Jamie, and I'm sticking to it. Well, I have two daily winnies. First of all, uh, one has to go out to Adam and Adam is the person that is in charge at flag is up uh, <laughs> with all the details. Oh my gosh. He has been so helpful, Debbie. I've, I'm putting on a course. So daily Winnie goes out to the three students that are coming. Mary, Mary and Abby are my, my three students from Arizona, Texas and Montana, or wow. Wyoming, excuse me, Wyoming. How dare I forget that? Yeah. And so that's going to be really fun. It starts on Friday. It is full time. I, have been, I'm oh my gosh, I'm making these, the books and the manuals and Aww. calling Adam for help. And, and it's just been a lot of work. So I, I really appreciate him helping and I'm so excited to get started. Oh and gosh. yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I have my second daily Winnie, which goes out to you, Debbie. What? Good God. What are you up to? Tell everybody about Mustangs and transition horses. <gasps> uh, how much time do you have? No, no, no. I <laughs> Well, you know, I was actually playing with the Daily Winnie Might Be Horse and Country TV because they are being so supportive. Um, so Mustang and Transition Horses is the a program that we, gosh, we've been doing it all along for, since 97 when we started our school, but we didn't know it. <laughs> what we did was we started the school where people can come there and do what Jamie's doing starting Friday is teach people how to use the concepts of join up and the Monty Roberts methods of, you know, just making these horse gentling commonsensical decisions. And in the process of doing that, what we would do is we would recruit horses from the the up and down the state and local areas for rescue horses and we would use those for the students and the rescues liked it because they became more adoptable that way right that would be weird for somebody who was a student there to adopt one of their horses and take it home wouldn't that be weird did that happen with you precious Precious magic gallop jennings for those who don't recall. Little black pony that I used in my advanced course is my horse and I had to take this 13 two hand pony home and anyway so so it happens story. Yeah, no, such a good story. And there are lots of them. I mean, it's Bianca. If you go on the, the right horse initiative page right now, which is a transition horse program initiative, um, you'll see Bianca and, uh, Cinder and she adopted him out of the gently wild horse. It goes on all the time. And we thought, uh, duh, we were already doing a program like that. So we were only doing about 25 a year because, you know, we don't have courses year round. And we thought, what if we pilot one and we can, Maybe if we're successful, we can keep doing it year round and we can get more students to come and just play with horses, you know, and it it doesn't have to be as formal, but we have to have talented people in the, in the gentling process. So Horse and Country TV is live streaming it October 12th through 16th, and that's Monday through Friday next week. And they took a flyer on the Monty special training. So the dad does this, uh, 
you know, every every year you've been to, I don't know, at least one of them. How many Monty Special Trading have you been to? Uh, I've been to three. Uh, um, and it is it is just so fun. It basically, Monty Special Training is a course that you guys offer, which is basically uh, watching Monty work with remedial horses. And you get to participate a little bit, ask a lot of questions, and watch him work. And it's amazing. Um, so that is happening next week. Yeah. And Adam was telling me, you, I can, like, watch it on Horse and Country. Yeah, Horse and Country TV. You know, yeah. If you just Google Horse and Country TV US, that you'll see that um, they do have uh, programming all you know around the clock horses all the time, and it's just really a fun um, cable TV show anyway. But live streaming is something they they hired a guy named David Qualls, who kind of we call him the ESPN of horse, uh, you know, live streaming uh, shows, sports shows. And he's in Tryon right now, but he flew out last week to set everything up. And then he has his guy coming out to, to be live. But we did that with the movement too, Jamie. You remember that? It's horse and country, mm-hmm. same horse and country. But, you know, the really, the live streaming is fun. I mean, not just because of COVID, <laughs> not just because we're locked up and we want to see more horses, but also because you can go to places now with, you know, if you, you don't have to get a farm sitter and you don't have to get a babysitter and you don't have to, you know, get on a plane. And so it, it's a good answer. I just think it's a win, win, win. It's like daily winnies everywhere. Horseandcountry.tv. And I'm assuming you can get a subscription to see this. Yeah, it's $9.99 a month and I, you can quit anytime. So, you know, get hooked So with on all it. these smart TVs, you could just watch it on your regular on television. And on your phone too. Yeah, absolutely. You can, you can carry it through the barn and everything too. No, I love what they're doing. The programming is, is good. It's high level and, you know, giddy up go gals too. So, um, that's what we'll be. We'll be the, you know, polishing up these horses to become more adoptable. And I, I, I'm I excited. Have, I have important questions. Please. So during this piece is this people who have who have a horse that they are adopting and they're working with their personal horse or are these people who are wanting to learn how to work with remedial horses and they're using ones that you have sourced bingo so okay. all the horses are coming yeah the second the, all the horses are coming from right horse adoption partners which oh, is gotcha. um, yeah so there's quality control for us you know we we know that they're taking care of these they're horses healthy. yeah etc mm-hmm. yeah and they're mostly from the Western United States, but we have, uh, we've reached out to Kentucky and Oklahoma. And so we've got kind of all over the board and they're OTTBs and then, you know, uh, mutts and everything. A wide variety. <laughs> That's going to be cool because you're going to have a really wide variety of yeah. personality types and energy levels and varying different backgrounds. Some of them you're not going to know at all, but it's really cool right. that you went through the right horse initiative because they're already going to be healthy so that when people do fall in love with them at the, at the clinic, they're going to want to take them home and they're going to be ready to go. Yeah. That'd be weird. <laughs> Who would do that? Why would you do that? That's that would be weird. Cool. How many horses are you going to have? With it. How many different horses? We're going to start. Oh, the, the pilot is for eight. We have nine already, but, <laughs> but uh, the pilot was for eight just to see our, you know, metric and see how we, we do with that. But, um, you know, you want to take one or two extra because they're so cute and somebody might, you know, come up lame one week or something. But the fun part is yesterday we started auditioning local riders um, to help us out with the on top of the horse work too. And that's been fun for people like, what? You know, I get paid by the ride and Monty is my coach and I can come and go and sleep in my own bed. So that's been fun too. We uh, 
I have three more this morning. Good luck to them. And um, so they'll be coming and going. But I've also got like, I hope I get Jamie out there and maybe we see Abby and Ashley Mancuso is flying in from Florida for a little stint. And we've got, uh, I talked to two gals from their master instructors at CSU yesterday, Emily and Kristen, and uh, they're going to find a little time to get down there. So we'll have like a three ring circus of, of good horsemen out there having a play with, with good horses. So it'll be really fun. So watch your social medias and everything too, because there's going to be some real adoptable horses. And the more we adopt out, then we'll bring more in. So that's kind of the idea is in the pilot, we said eight, but you know what, if, if they're like Jamie, who has a revolving trailer door over there (laughs) at Flyover Farms, you know, we might be able to slip uh, one or two more in there before the 60 days. I mean, it's for 60 days. So we're going from October 12th to the first part of December. And see now, Here's what I've realized, especially with these thoroughbreds. Um, it doesn't take 60 days. I mean, seriously, I mean, these, these X race horses, they come to me off the track, they've had downtime and they're ready to be restarted, but it's not like a, like a Mustang or an unstarted horse. They've seen everything. What's the, the most fun is trying to figure out kind of where they're, holes are like some of them, you know, you can't go. Somebody has been a little rude to them, you know, or somebody has been harsh at certain places and, uh, trying to figure out those and fix those holes. But, you know, they've had the saddle on, they've had a rider on, they've been, they just don't know how to go stop or turn. (laughs) So so once you, if you can get on them, then you can start teaching them that. So it goes a lot quicker. And I'm finding, I just picked up two more yesterday. Uh, Debbie. So they'll be fun. Two really beautiful Bay thoroughbred geldings, uh, kind of a different sizes. And one of them is a half brother to honor code. That's right. Honor code. Same mama is honor code. Okay. So he is here. His name is Morse code. And so he's here, (laughs) but his, his fun thing at the track was he was, they were really excited about him and he did really, really well. And then he just decided he was not going to do it anymore and like, wouldn't go in the gate when they would get him in the gate, he would run half of the race and then stop. Oh, that sounds familiar. We have a few yeah. of those. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm sure I'll be picking your brain about this one. Yeah. As it comes along, but maybe he was just ready to have a second career. So mm-hmm. these are kind of the fun things that you get to do and 60 days for racehorses. You guys are going to be, you know, they're going to be pee offing by then. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see what I mean though? Yeah. So we could, um, we, we've used you really because the ASPCA ride horse is supportive of horse and hound that you have Nelda. And, um, so they already know they've got a bead on you and your success rate. And so I used you as, you know, my rock star example of what we're, we're looking at. So, yeah, I'm excited. And I did see the article and I felt very famous when you had quoted me in your article that you wrote. Um, and of course the quote is, that an educated horse has a better life. And so if we can provide an education for them, They'll go to somebody educated and help, and they'll have just a better existence, a better home, a better. If horses that have problems are the ones that are sold, uh, you know, to the auctions and stuff. It's these guys that are healthy and sound that just might not have 
a, a big enough education with humans or may have a remedial problem, if you can get in there and fix that and let them know, replace all those bad pictures in their head with good pictures in their head, they move so quickly because people want horses that are trained from rescues. You know, I mean, it's such a bonus. Horses, um, people so. want horses that are trained, period. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and stop. When you want them yeah, to. Stop, yeah, stop, yeah. stop, go turn. Yeah, there we go. I mean, seriously, that's all you really have to do with these racehorses is go stop, turn, and then you're good. I mean, you know, we do a little move off the leg, a little this, a little that, but for the most part, like literally go stop, turn, and they're good to go. Um, and they're reasonable so, to ride. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. You're, yeah, you've just done a genius job over there that your students are going to have so much fun. And uh, we're going to have so much fun next week. So tune in to Horse and Country TV and watch us live. We'll uh, we'll wink at you. And um, and I'm really excited to uh, yeah to follow along with this story too because I'm gonna I'm gonna be filling in I think in a couple of weeks too. So I'll kind of tell you what happened. Yeah, keep us posted. Well, we are going to go to our first guest. Her name is Julie, and she is going to tell us all about her personal Gobi Gallop. Here we go. Okay, she's ringing. Let's bring her in. All the way from Mongolia. Let's hope it works. Oh, my gosh. Oh, fingers crossed. <laughs> the signals are bouncing across the outer atmosphere. That's crazy. Julie. Hello. Yay! Hi. Hey, Julie, it's Jamie and Debbie and Jen on Horses in the Morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about where you are right now. Right at this exact moment, I am sitting in a gear, sort of in the middle of nowhere in the countryside in Mongolia. So you might think of it as a yurt, but in, uh, in Mongolia, it's a gear. So that's where I am. How on earth is there internet there? Yeah. You know what? I, you know, here's the thing that's kind of interesting. Mongolia has got it together in this regard. Because they are nomadic people, the government has put a lot of effort into getting people to be in contact. So they have this nifty thing called Gare Internet. I don't understand how it works. It's magic. Um, it, it somehow it works somehow on the phone signal, but it works where there isn't phone signal. Um, so uh, I've had it explained to me several times. Essentially, I'm just putting it down to it's Mongolian magic. If you have <laughs> You have electricity pretty much anywhere. You can plug this thing in, um, and and it will work. So, yeah. So we have internet out here. Amazing. Yet cool. I'm on my cell phone and I have to go outside to talk. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Well, tell us a little bit about what you're doing in Mongolia. Uh, well, I um I've lived in Mongolia since 2010 with my husband, um, and sort of the the primary focus of my life here in Mongolia is working with the Baloo Foundation. So we work with the kids who scavenge in the garbage dump. Um, and we've built two kindergartens that um, feed, care for, and educate over 354 to six-year-olds, I mean, three to six-year-olds that used to be um, on the garbage dump. And now they're, um, now they're safe and warm. Um, and we have a number of other sort of charity outreach initiatives, like we're building a, a community library and we have a summer camp and essentially we're doing whatever we can to get everybody off of the garbage dump because this is the coldest capital city on the planet and um yeah it's not very pleasant to be a, a trash picker here at minus 40 and so oh my, gosh. Oh my god i know i know that was um, i'm from northern canada originally and when I um when I first came here and I saw these tiny little kids out at minus forty, I mean, I you guys are in a pretty warm place, I understand. But when you when you come from a very cold place, you understand that like coldness has a, a lot of 
a lot of more factors that affecting your life rather than just cold. Because the gear that I'm sitting in right now is very warm and comfortable because we have a lovely stove with a fire in the middle of it, which the nomads traditionally always had a source of fuel because they had um, animals, so they could burn dung. So they was they were always warm in their gear in the countryside. Um, but through a lot of really complicated issues like climate change and political ramifications and all sorts of things, many, many of them have been forced off of the land and into the city. And so they take their gear with them, but then they don't have any fuel for the for the fireplace. And so, so lots of things get complicated. It's not just that you, you know, it's simple things like your water is frozen and you can't melt it, so you can't drink it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a complicated situation, but uh, I feel very fortunate that when I moved to Mongolia in 2010, had never sat on a horse and um, decided that I should at least try, seeing as it was such a big part of the culture. And I don't know if you guys ever played Tetris. You might be too young for Tetris. but I um, that. You, know, <laughs> yeah. you know, some of these games where, like, when things slot in and then there's just, like, explosions all over the place and then yeah. there's happy things jumping up. Well, the first time I sat on a horse, it was exactly like that. Oh. It was like, oh, my gosh, this is how it's supposed to be. This is how... human beings developed you know this is how society arose and um yeah so I sat on a horse for the first time at 50 uh, and now here I am at 60 and I've got about 35,000 kilometers under my belt and um and setting off tomorrow morning for the Gobi Gallup solo challenge which is going to be me riding as fast as I can 700 kilometers across this wonderful land to raise money for the kids Oh, that's amazing. I want to get back to the kids real quick before we talk about your amazing adventure that you're about to have. Is there a big um, like population of orphans there or are the, are these the parents are hunting for the food too? I just I can't believe that in the climate and the, just a modern type climate where everybody has freaking internet but people don't have food. I don't understand that. Okay, so the the um in order to have the internet, you do have to have the money to buy the the, the gizmo that you that you plug into the wall, um, and the the most of the kids that are there are from single parent families, um, and lots of single dad families as well as single mom families, um, and so when they the 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 real story is that when they forced into the city because of the political situation in Mongolia, um, the way that the society developed is that people have access to all kinds of services in the place where they're registered. And generally you're registered where you're born, although that can change a little bit. But if you're living in the countryside and you're registered in the countryside, you have access to doctors, you have access to schools, you can work, your life is pretty normal. But if you're registered in the countryside and then you have, um, you know, a bad winter where you lose, you know, 94% of your animals, like the year in 2009-2010, there was something in the neighborhood of 10 million animals froze to death in Mongolia. And so there was this big surge of people. Of course, you know, again, if you don't, if you're living in the countryside, if you have animals, of course you can, you can milk your cows, you can make cheese, you can make yogurt, you can eat your sheep. Well, you can eat your cows too, but um, you know, you have the wool, you know, you know, for warmth, essentially you can, you're pretty self-sufficient. And um, even though in the modern world now cash economy is more important, but at a baseline, if you have the animals, you can function in the countryside, but if you don't, well, then you really can't. And so um, so that's that's sort of what has driven people into the city. But when they get into the city, now they're living in a place where they're not registered. 
And so their kids can't go to school. Um, they can't get medical service. Um, and they can't, they can't work. They can't qualify for legal employment. And so these are the, 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 the sort of political difficulties, you know, combined with the environmental, uh, environmental difficulties oh uh, creates this unique situation. So, um, so a lot of our, you know, when you're a single mom and you're in the situation um, and you're in the city and you can't work, um, then there's very, there's, there's not an enormous social welfare net here. Um, people do get a small amount of money from the government for what we would call family allowance in Canada. So you get a 10,000 tugrig, which is about the equivalent of $4 a month for each child that you have, which unfortunately encourages people to have more children. But um, so then you have, you know, single mothers. We had, we have a lady that's working at our kindergarten um, and she, she's been working at our kindergarten for a while. And when she first came, uh, she brought her daughter to go to the kindergarten. And her daughter was um, two years old, two and a half, um, technically three, because we don't take children younger than three. Sometimes we just have very small three-year-olds. But um, mm-hmm. we, yeah, we stretch the truth a bit sometimes. Yeah. But, um, but she, was, she was carrying this girl on her back um, and walking her older daughter to school, which was about a three-kilometer walk at minus 40, and then going back with this little girl on her back to scavenge in the garbage. Um, and then going back to pick up her daughter from school because she was determined that their kids were her kids were going to be educated. And this lady, she was only 33 years old at the time, and she had um, a congenital birth defect. And so her hip was crumbling. Her her ball, the ball joint in her hip was crumbling. She needed a hip replacement. So she was in like absolute agony. Uh, and yet this is this is where she was going. And so we actually and we ended up taking that little girl um, and hiring the mom and paying for her hip replacement, which you'll be oh, sad wow. to know. Oh. A hip replacement in Mongolia costs about $3,000, which I was amazed. It was so cheap. But anyway, um, so she has a new hip uh, and the daughter got on a scholarship at a an English language school, a private English school. So now she's sort of the interpreter for the community. So, um, I mean, I guess the, the simple answer about the orphans and whatnot is that there there certainly are orphans. Um, and in fact, the, sort of the, the saddest thing is that the people scavenging in the garbage sometimes find newborn infants thrown away in the trash. Oh. Um, and then there, um, I know a number of ladies who scavenged in the garbage dump who were there with their own babies and then just picked this baby up out of the garbage and started feeding it and took it home and raised it as their own. Um, uh, most of the kids that are found like that gets turned over to a state orphanage, but some are re- some are raised by by the ladies from the garbage dump. Wow, so it's this just, is just wow. an amazing, and and you so so what just made you decide to to move there? Because would you just go and you see what's happening? You're like, I have to dedicate my life to helping these people. It not that's not exactly how it happened, but um, it, when we um, my husband got a job here. Uh, my husband's in mining, and so we already had the foundation. We were working with um, organizations and schools and whatnot in um, Malaysia and in India. So, because our we our focus has been on the the developing world, and it was I mean it's just a small family run foundation. Um, and then when we moved to Mongolia, the company he was working for, um, what they were offering for us to bring along a twenty foot container full of our personal belongings, so that we would feel more at home here. But we we really have lived around the world, and we we don't bring much with us. We travel pretty light, so we had about three feet of 
you know, three feet out of the 20 feet in the container that had our stuff in it. And then um, we decided that it was sort of silly to be moving from the land of everything to the land of nothing with an empty container paid for. Mm-hmm. So we we organized to get four and a half tons of clothes and um, blankets and jackets and these sorts of things donated. And then we um, then we ended up working with local organizations when we got here. And that's how that's how I first ended up going up to the garbage dump because we put the call out for any local organizations to come and. Um, and get stuff. And the one fellow who had been working with some of the people from the garbage dump came and ended up taking um, taking a bunch of stuff. And he just really impressed me with his intensity. So at the end, when we had a little bit of stuff left over, I ended up going up there with him. And um, that was a very, very bracing day. It was February and uh, it was about minus 25. And, you know, we, we, we started in the house of a lady who, who was one of those um, people who'd found a baby abandoned in the garbage. And I thought she had two year old twins, but then she told me, no, they were not, they were not twins. You know, that one was four months older than the other one. And I was like, well, wait, that doesn't work. (laughs) Four months, four four months just doesn't work. But then she explained how that happened. And then, you know, sort of in shock from that, because it's such a shocking story, we went to the next house where we were helping and there was a boy about 11 or 12 and just this absolutely filthy, tiny little hovel um, curled up and shivering on a bed and with no fire because his family didn't have any fuel. Um, and he was, he was home because he was too sick to go to the garbage dump. And, um, and you got to think about how sick do you have to be to be too sick to go to the garbage dump? So right. we ended up, we took him someplace and warmed him up and got him some soup and all the rest of it. And then, and then the next house we went to was a gear was minus 25 and there was a six-year-old boy taking care of his two-year-old sister while his parents were off scavenging in the garbage um and she was in mongolia out in the countryside when babies are toilet training they just leave the bottom half of their clothes off they just run around naked basically Mm -hmm. um and i mean they're outside and all the rest of it and so this little girl she was running around uh, with just a t-shirt on it was minus 25 and they had no fire in the gear and she was actually, honestly, she wasn't running around. She was kind of catatonic. She was sort of standing, staring wistfully at the stove as though wishing into existence a fire. And um, and then he was just, he was very apologetic because this is such a very welcoming and open society. And this little six-year-old boy was very apologetic that there was no milk tea to offer us. And that was the moment, you know, I said before, like the, the Tetris with the horse and all the rest of it. Well, that was the moment when it was just like, well... I guess I'm going to do something for these kids, for these people, because um, essentially nobody was doing anything. None of the big organizations were working in the community. Um, and most of the most um, uh, most of the people in that community just, you know, were forgotten by society. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's when I decided to do something. Wow. This is wow. amazing. So, so tell us... Uh, I mean, I'm just shocked that this is going on and we, you know, then the stupid headlines over here are, are not, not communicating <laughs> this to us. Yeah. You know, it's all yeah. about wh- who's wearing a mask and not wearing a mask. And here we've got children that are scavenging in garbage. Yeah. I just really think so. So you are going on, I feel like it's like a side note now after the things that you've told us, you're going to go ride a horse to, to raise money for these kids. Tell us about that. So the, the Gopi Gallop is actually, um, 
It's the longest annual charity endurance ride on the planet. We've been doing it now. This will be the eighth year. Normally, people from around the world come, um, and you know you have to pay an entry fee to go in the ride, and then you have to raise money, and then all of that money, all of it stays in Mongolia, and some of it helps local herders and whatnot, and the other, the rest goes to our foundation to help the children. Um, and it's 700 kilometers in 10 days is what we do. It's called the Gobi Gallop. People are always confusing it with the Mongol Derby. It is not the Mongol Derby. The Mongol Derby is an excellent event, <laughs> but this is different. This is more like a team team sport. Um, and so the idea, it's uh, I feel like it's a true endurance event in the fact that, that, first of all, the horses are all trained in traditional Mongolian endurance techniques. And we take only two horses per rider for the 700 kilometers. So... Wow. Um, so all of the horses do the full 700 kilometers. So they're, wow. they're really, it really showcases their amazing endurance. Um, this year, of course, due to COVID-19, our good friend, the, um, mm. the COVID-19, um, we couldn't have anybody come because it normally happens in June. And so because it happens in June, uh, at that stage, Mongolia was in complete lockdown, still is in complete lockdown, actually. No COVID here at all, none quite nice yeah. but um that's a separate conversation so anyway uh the long and the short of it is that when you know in june when 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 we could have done it people weren't allowed in and we weren't allowed that many people gathering at one point anyway and then i ended up going back to canada because my husband was in canada not able to get to mongolia um so i left not knowing how long it would be before i could get back and then uh miraculously six weeks later there was one flight just one that foreigners with long-term visas were allowed back on so so we turned around and came back and then now restrictions are easing quite a lot inside the country like there's no mask requirement or anything bef anymore although there was previously um so then i was thinking you know well i could now we could do the gobi gallop because we we're allowed to have that many people together but we can't um you know we can't get anybody in the country nobody first of all tourists aren't allowed in yet and then you need to do three-week quarantine and so I was talking to my brother. He was like, why don't you just do it by yourself? Like, That's a really good idea. <laughs> That's a really good idea. So I thought, I'm going to go see how fast can I do this? Because I've done this, I've done every year. I've done all seven years of the Gobi Gallop. Um, this year, uh, I decided to make it a solo challenge. And uh, part of that, of course, is because without the Gobi Gallop, you know, the funds for the the um, the kindergartens and the projects are, are have been pretty significantly impacted. I mean, the Gobi Gallop in the seven years we've been doing it has raised $543 for the project and uh, about a similar amount for uh, for the local herders and whatnot. So uh, we're, we're up over a million dollars uh, of benefit to Mongolia in general. And so because we do the Gobi Gallop and then we do a gala event at the end. And so the gala contributes quite a lot uh, to the overall sort of um finances of the thing mm -hmm. and so i feel like pretty much the luckiest person on the planet that i get to combine my two passions into an event that makes everybody feel good everybody who gets to come really really enjoys it and has a wonderful time um and you know it's life-changing i hear the stories from people about how this really has completely changed you know the way that they look at all manner of things and not the least because you know, for the Gobi Gallop, when people come, we end up going to the kindergarten and taking them up there. And um, so they get to see the kids that they're helping firsthand. And that's really, that's really special. But yeah, so tomorrow I'm, I'm going to undertake it by myself. Um, well, I mean, I have my Mongolian support team with me here. Mm -hmm. Not like I'm not 
not completely alone in the wilderness, um, and decided to do a really big um, Facebook thing and Instagram and all whatnot. Um, part of it, obviously, to raise money for the project and whatnot, but the other part is to really showcase for people what it's like to be in Mongolia, to live in Mongolia, what it's really like to ride in Mongolia, because I feel like there's there's quite a lot of sort of misinformation about what it's like riding in Mongolia. And so I'd like to take this opportunity, seeing as it's just me, I can spend more time, you know, sharing on the internet, speaking with my yeah. Mongolian friends. And we can talk about things like rangeland management and hoof care and, you know, what the saddles are like and why these saddles work as well as they do. And, you know, um, we had the the son of the people who run Horse Truck Mongolia. Um, Zola came to Canada and lived with us for two years <coughs> And then he um, he spent another two years studying um, in Vancouver. So so now we have this unique and wonderful thing that we have uh, a fellow from the countryside who actually speaks really good English. So he's going to be integral, you know, to sharing on Facebook. He can have some conversations with his parents um, and translate and whatnot, and really get a feeling for you know how nomad life has changed and what's changing and you know what's good and what's bad and what the challenges are that they face and get people really to see, you know, just really, really what it's like to be like in the 17th largest country on the planet with the least, it's the least populous country there is. And there's 3 million people and six and a half million horses. Wow. it's amazing. So where can people go to donate, to watch your journey, yeah. to find out more? Okay. So the, there's a, a few places on the internet you could find us. Um, Horse Trek Mongolia. So that's um, Trek, T-R-E-K. So that's going to be on Facebook and Instagram. And then Valu Foundation, of course. Um, that's V-E-L-O-O, Valu Foundation. Um, and that's uh, Facebook and Instagram. And I think there's going to be some Twitter involved, although not too much. Um, my personal page, you can go. Um, and most of, the, most of the posts that I put are public, but you're more than welcome to send me a friend request. And they're actually having different streams on sort of different focuses on different streams. And um, so it's not like it's just going to be the same thing everywhere. Like on my personal page, I'm going to be doing a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of vlogs. <clears throat> Maybe there might be a lot of crying. You never know. I'm going to try and do 100 kilometers a day. So oh, it might Lord. Just, you might be it, crying. It might, it might be. It might just be me crying all the time. And then, like, <laughs> you know, cutting away to a picture of a horse or something, but, um, and then, you know, there'll be other, you know, on the horse track Mongolia, more about horse care and rangeland management and that sort of stuff. Um, and then on the foundation, sort of more of the focus on how this is helping the kids and, um, you know, and what, because we have a, a whole gamut of programs that, that we do that need funding. And so, so basically it's going to be, it, there's going to be a lot of content. So people who are really interested, you know, they'll, they'll have a lot to, to follow along with and uh, and hopefully enjoy and hopefully it's you know it's like you say it's kind of a crazy time in the world right now and um, I'm I'm kind of hoping that maybe maybe it will give people something sort of positive to focus on and to take their mind off of the situation that's going on in some of the places around the world. Well, Julie Ballou, I wish you the absolute best of luck. You're an inspiration. I feel like I, I don't know I, like where can people donate money? ValouFoundation.com. Yeah, if you go to valuefoundation.com, right, the very first thing you'll see on the homepage is, you know, if you want to donate donate to the Solo Gobi Gallop Challenge, click here, and that will that will take you to my fundraising page. And so, and I I do just want to tell people that I I don't take any salary. You know, my husband and I, um, we actually 100% of the money that gets donated goes to the project. 
this is kind of my volunteer job. So just yeah. in case people are wondering where their money goes, that's where it goes. To the kids. Julie Gobi Gallup is, uh, you're going for it. Horsetrekmongolia.com, valufoundation.com. Find her on Facebook, Instagram, all the social media platforms. And we wish you the absolute best of luck and hope to check in with you again when you're done. Thank you very much. I would love to fill you in on how it, how it all really went. Oh, I'm going to be watching videos and having questions. So we will catch up. <laughs> Super. Great. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Julie. Okay. Thank you. Talk to you later. Tears, Ooh, that was, goosebumps, th- laughs. That was oh, my gosh. Another Teresa ain't got nothing on her. No. Mm-mm. Oh, my God. That is that amazing. Just what a story. Somewhere I didn't think it was going to go. That was incredible. Incredible story. Yeah. And, and incredible need. I had no idea. Well, how do we not know that? Like I went through international adoption for two years and Mongolia was never a country that we could have selected, you know? So, okay, let's move on. Let's, we're going to, we're going to get a little less heavy here. Let's talk a little bit about state line tack, state line tack. And, uh, they have, it's dude. Prime Day is like coming up and State Line Tech is doing a prime sale. <laughs> like Amazon is taking over the world and now State Line is uh-huh. trying to take over the horse world with Prime Day. They're so they're having they yeah. are. They right. are scooping yeah. them. Yeah. 30% off blankets, 20% off fit stuff, 25% off uh, Shire's blankets, <gasps> and then saddle pads, toe flat, temporary. Oh, my favorite. Yeah. Kelly, her jewelry is on sale. Saddles are, uh, oh my gosh, there's so much stuff on sale and there's lots of special offers. Go to Stateline Tack and click on the Prime Day Why Wait? Three days only. And you can go on there and they've got like, you can buy your bug spray for next year. You, they've got ivermectin, just stuff you need to have all year long. That's oh, true. Yeah. yeah. I always try to buy my blankets in the spring. Right. <laughs> so I, but then I end up getting another horse and there's a, yeah. so, um, <laughs> I end up hole. buying, I buy blankets <laughs> twice a year. Um, but also it's, you know, time to deworm with ivermectin and they have great sale on them right now. 30% off a 12 pack. And, uh, th- so there's lots of stuff to do. D- Debbie, anything you need from Stayline? Yeah. I'm going over. <laughs> I know. I love this Prime Day. I mean, it scoops everything, right? The the whole Black Fridays and all those things too. It's smart. Yeah. Smart. Uh, top turnouts under $50. What? Okay. So again, statelinetech.com is where you can go and do some shopping. If you're sitting down right now, go check it out. And if you're not, then, uh, you got, get a little time. You got three oh, days. Perfect. Perfect. It's time for weird news. I thought it was, uh, did you cancel, Doctor? Dr. Grev is going to come back another day when we have time to thoroughly cover the topic. I don't okay. want to hurry through it because there's a lot to go on when it comes to yeah, it's a good forage topic. basics. Yeah. yeah, Forage basics yeah. because forage is a big topic. I got a little carried away. I didn't know I was supposed wow. to talk about the horses, but I just couldn't steer away from the children. Yeah, that was that was the news though, because that's why she's up on a horse, and that was pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. I, you know, like I, I've heard in um, Brazil, you know, that we we support an orphanage where most of the kids don't even know what their birthday is. That's yeah. you know, but I mean, compared to that story, like, uh, uh-uh, uh, that's nothing. Yeah, it's just twenty degrees in a I, t-shirt. Please. I'm really psyched about learning about how the Mongolian people really do 
interact and take care of and manage all that behind the scenes stuff. Well, really, land management? They're nomads. They manage things? Yes, apparently they do. Pretty awesome. Fascinating. All right. Weird news is ready, Jen. Do you have the sound effect? I have no idea where there might be a weird news sound effect. So here, let me try this. (laughs) For those listening at home, that's the breaking news sound effect, not the weird (laughs) news sound effect, but it'll have to work. So you just got news in it. Yeah, yeah, it's got news. Um, So uh, we have an odd to be an odd amount of listeners that believe in ghosts like (laughs) not clowns but no they they believe in ghosts and i said on the air the other day that that's ridiculous ghosts are not real and then i got a flood of angry emails Uh and people telling me their personal ghost stories and i just told them all okay i believe you okay cool well let's let's not have an argument on the internet but there's something that happened that actually might might actually lead to like thinking that ghosts are real. And here's what happened. We're going to go to Australia okay. where an Australian woman won the lottery for more than $700,000. Okay. Ooh. She wins the lottery and then she goes and does the like lottery official interview. And I guess her mother played these numbers for like a hundred years. Right. So her mother played these numbers and after her mom died, she's like, you know what? I'm going to get those numbers and I'm going to start playing my mama's numbers. And Oh my God. I'm pretty sure that her mom went in and started ticking stuff around and like <laughs> made it happen. I see. I see. It wasn't like she had to have a seance to find out what her mom's numbers were or anything. No, I no, think sure. the mama went in when they were pulling the little mm. like ping pong balls, you know, second month in this order. Yeah. She's all like, Ooh, Funny. suck that one up. Anyway, pretty amazing. Again, you know, I, I just wanted to bring a ghost story to the fray because I feel like I was, um, I was, I was treated very harshly when I said ghosts are not real. Um, so I'm just giving y'all a little fuel, little fuel. All right, yeah. Jen, hit it again. Oh, another one. Here we go. Oh, you just hit it. for things to stow away in airplanes anymore. You would think security uh, between that and the the tough, you know, just the tough fences and barbed wire that are around an airport. It's hard for somebody to stow away. But police at the Niagara Frontier Transportation Authority Police Department, that's at Buffalo Niagara International Airport, caught a stowaway. They were called, the police were called. They said, we got going coming in. And then they swarmed it. And then they were able to pull out the raccoon. (laughs) 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 So they uh, spotted him attempting to get into the plane. And this is why I love reading these stories because they're so ridiculous that the police officers usually have a good sense of humor and put out a ridiculous quote. Uh, Police tweeted, Aviation division officials captured this critter attempting to sneak onto a flight at the Buffalo Niagara International Airport last night. He was interviewed and released back into the woods with a stern warning. (laughs) 
And they would say that they did not identify the raccoon. He was well, of course. Just, yeah. like, was... <laughs> All right. Yeah. Hit it again, Jen. Here we go. So, you know, when you're traveling with children and they have to go to the bathroom, I'm going to say that I might be incredibly guilty of this, where you just pull over and like, I don't know, go on the side of the road. I mean, he's a little boy. Like, why not? Um, so police were, had to be called in to capture, um, uh, a baby that had been let out of a van to go potty. And it turns out that the baby was a baby kangaroo. <laughs> so <laughs> the police in Washington state said a baby kangaroo that escaped when he was let out of a van to quote potty was safely recaptured and taken for a checkup. For a checkup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's potty. Yeah. <laughs> gotta go. Got gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go. Ooh. Go, Joe. All right. Go. One more yeah. final one, Jen. And we're going to head this time to London. Jolly old England. There was a... They have these donation bins on the street corners through London that are like, look like dumpsters, but you pull the thing down and you put in your donations, your shoes, your clothes, anything like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Like a Goodwill box or something. Like a Goodwill box. Well, there's a man and his name is Alan and he went, he tweeted this. I went to a recycling bin to dump old clothes. So he puts his clothes in and apparently the clothes drop down and he starts hearing, meow. Oh, no. 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 And so he's like, oh, my God. There's a And you can't get them out because it's like right. a, a mail slot, you know? So he hears this meow. There's a cat stuck in there. He calls the police, okay? And they're like, oh, my God. There's a cat. The police and firefighters respond to the scene. And everybody agreed that there was possibly two cats inside the container. Uh, the meowing was so ferocious, uh, right? It was uh, so aggressive. And so one of the police officers suggested, and this is Alan saying this, that we drop food in there in case the cats have been there for a few days while they try to work out how to get them out. He's like, so I got in my car cause it was close by and I went to the grocery store and I bought some wet cat food and I dumped the wet cat Ew. food down in the slot on the stuff. <laughs> well, the fire brigade eventually had to turn up and use their heavy tools to open it. And they like cut open this metal recycling donation bin and they pull the front off of it and they can't find the cat. Uh It's like not right there. So they think, well, it must be buried inside there. So the firemen basically climb in and they start pulling all of the donations out onto the ground. This is weird news. (laughs) And then they see the battery operated stuffed toy, a for real friends cat that apparently when it's touched, (laughs) it's activated by touch. He's like, I dropped my old pair of shoes on it. They activated it. Started making noise. (laughs) The final line of this is, uh, the two cute, two community officers 
three police officers and the firefighters all started laughing. I went red faced. I apologized. And then we all left as quickly as possible. As possible. <laughs> I'm out of here. That was embarrassing. Oh my gosh. And they put wet food in there. So now the clothes are like smelling like tuna. Oh, my God. Oh, God, that's just, funny, though. I can see that happening. I would panic, too, if I thought something living in there. Take the yeah. batteries out of the items before you would put be them better. in the donation bin. What a good idea. Lesson learned. What if that person's like that put the, the, the donate cat in there is like re- hearing this right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassed. That's awesome. Ah, they're having a good hoot. That's all right. All right, Jen. That is it. You have to hit it one more time. One more time to wrap it up. Yep. And that is the segment we like to call weird news. If you see any weird news, much like the one last week that was sent to me, I believe from listener Kayla, who had the woman chewing on the miniature horse's mane because she thought in a meth induced thing, it was uh, laffy taffy. Uh, if you see anything <laughs> like that, you can send those to me, Jamie at horseradionetwork.com, or you can tag me in them on Facebook. Please share. I know you guys all see them too. Them has less work for me too. Um, now, uh, Jen, why don't you tell uh, uh, Debbie, why don't you tell us about Dr. Busby? Oh, I love this. Yes. If your senior dog has the mobility and spunk of a puppy, lucky you. But more likely, your senior dog is slowing down. So maybe even suffering a little silently. Well, we're excited. We're going to tell you about Dr. Busby's Encore Mobility. It's a new joint supplement for dogs that does more than just help their joints. It renews your dog's spark and spirit. It's pretty cool. Stop worrying about your senior dog slowing down. Go to drbusby.com and save 10% right here on Encore Mobility with a promo code HRN for more good days with your dog. I'd like to welcome our next guest, Dory Bush, and she's from Lawton, Oklahoma. Yes, I know how to pronounce that right because I live in Oklahoma now, Tori. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm up in uh, up in Norman. You're just a little bit southwest of me. Now, mm-hmm. you're our guest from Black Rains Magazine, and tell us a little bit about, about yourself. Um, okay, well, I'm 15 years old. But I'll actually be 16 at the end of this month. Um, I barrel race on two horses named Buddy and Deuce. And I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, I, t- to- I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, I, how come you got involved in horses in the first place? Um, well, I had, I don't really, oh gosh, I don't really know what called like the actual term for it but um my mom um had me just start to take lessons because need yeah I needed therapy for um for my for my eyes and my arms yeah, it, yeah like a muscle kind of disorder I guess yeah is that your sweet mama behind you I don't know. It's actually my trainer. My mom's at work right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Are you at the barn right now? Um, no, I'm at home. Oh, gotcha. So she's just hanging out with you for this. That's cool. Uh, so yeah. 
are horses so you had some some motor issues and some some visual issues and so your mama said let's get you on a horse which obviously is the best idea for anybody uh to get on a horse <laughs> and so then you started barrel racing uh-huh yeah um well i actually started like um with play days mm-hmm. and then i kind of grew out of that and then I met my trainer, Angie, and she kind of got me into barrel racing. <laughs> so for those who don't know play days, for those of us in the central southern part of the country, it's uh, it's kind of like a, a gymkhana, I guess, uh, in a way where, you know, each time you go, there might be like a different barrel pattern or some different classes and things like that. And um, so I didn't know play days, you can outgrow them. I mean, that's cool. So yeah. you, just, you started getting a little fancier going to the big barrel races. Uh, so tell us, tell us about your horses. Um, well, first he's Deuce, and then my trainer actually put me on him, and the first time I rode him, I hated it, because <laughs> he was not what I was used to, but he's actually 18, he doesn't act like it, and he doesn't look like it, and then Woody, he's 10, and... You didn't like him? Yeah, I didn't like him, <laughs> like, <laughs> after I rode him, I just wanted to ride him again, but, um, he's different from Deuce. He's not like, you know, like a horse that likes to be like loved on stuff. But yeah, he can kind of be a jerk when he wants to, but I still love him. So basically your trainer said, this is your horse and you're going to learn to like it. And she was right. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Since I know she's there. You say, 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 repeat after me. My trainer was right. <laughs> my trainer was right and my trainer knows better than me <laughs> my trainer knows better than me <laughs> uh see I, you can clearly tell i have students oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome well so you have you've been very successful and you have a goal to qualify for the junior american and make it to the state and national finals with high school rodeo so is high school rodeo real popular in lawton um, not really. No, not really. They do more play days around here. Yeah, they kind of just do play days. Like they don't really go like do big trail races. We used to go to Texas, and it's just really been a yeah a dream of hers. She put it all in motion. Yeah. And well, we just like to say sorry. <laughs> no, please go ahead. Yeah. So we usually like to stay in Texas. That's why I actually joined. Um, a Texas high school rodeo team, Region 1, instead. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. So the, the, the big kids play in Texas is what you're saying. And you don't <laughs> want to go to some little play day in Oklahoma. You need to join the, the ranks down in, uh, down in Texas. I get it. So uh, just so you know, I am an eventer, but I have ridden in a play day in a barrel race in Texas. It was like my bucket list and my cousin barrel raced in Texas. Uh, they live just outside of uh, Fort Worth. And so I got to go to a play day. And let me tell you, Tori, I was amazing. So I had to go weave through. There was three barrels set up straight. And I had to weave through the, them and then like turn and burn and calm back down. And so I'm an adventure and I'm all out there. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. And I'm on this horse. And, and I'm like... 
you know, this guy breaks through the barrier and I haul butt down there and I haul back and everybody else was like averaging like 19 seconds. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to smoke that. And so I get back and I slam on the brakes, come through the timer. And I look up and it's like 37. <laughs> <laughs> like what? So I, then I saw the video and I was, I like to call it trantering, like kind of tantering and kind of trotting. Yet I felt like I was flying. So I, hats off to you barrel girls. I will tell you because I am also a mama that I would like for you to please wear your helmet when you're barrel racing. Can trainer, trainer, get on the phone. I, gotta talk to you. I'm right here. I, I know, but I can't hear you and I make sure you hear me. I hear you. Okay, Tori is a beautiful, young, powerful woman, and we'd like to keep her that way. So, can you please make sure she wears a helmet? Okay, we will. Uh, we will implement that. <laughs> oh my God, you made you made a promise. I have goosebumps, and now here's the deal, Tori. I follow you on Facebook, and if I see a picture of you without a helmet on while you're barrel racing, I'm going to call your trainer. <laughs> All right, my work here is done. My work here is done. Tori Bush, Black Rains Magazine. Thank you so much for joining us and give your uh, sweet trainer a hug. And, um, you know, I would like to tell you that you can go to State Line Tack to find some good helmets. And there's plenty of places that you can go to your local store and find a good helmet. And we love you and we wish you the best of luck. Thank you. <laughs> All Thanks, right. Tori. <laughs> you go, Tori. <laughs> and Deuce and Woody. <laughs> Oh, that's so cute. She's yeah. such a classic 15-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I giggled. That's yeah. why I had to talk to her trainer for the helmet thing. Right. <laughs> roll her eyes at me. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we have one more ad. Let's hear a little bit from The Daily Dose. The Daily Dose. Scooter loves Daily Dose. In 2006, Daily Dose Equine was founded by Janet Geyer when she was searching for better feed options for her own horses and couldn't find them. Today, Daily Dose Equine's seven different feed and forage balance formulas provide all types of horses with the quality nutrients they need, but none of the fillers or additives they don't. Daily Dose is made with non-GMO ingredients. You won't find any wheat middlings or distillers grains in Daily Dose Equine formulas. Plus, Feeds are flame-roasted to improve digestibility, lower NSCs, and eliminate mold, bacteria, and other contaminants. You can learn more about Daily Dose Equine at DailyDoseEquine.com. And Daily Dose Equine feeds and forage balancers are available nationwide through Chewy.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Debbie. Where can people go and find out more about you and horseandcountry.tv? And I believe it's montyroberts.com and you're the host of Horsemanship Radio. Anything I'm missing? Well, you did it all. Look at that. Yeah. Horsemanship Radio. And uh, next week, you know, go to montyroberts.com forward slash adoption. And uh, there's uh, equine welfare. There's a couple of URL extensions if you want to follow us along on, on social media. It'll be a really uh, really fun time, I think. And adopt a horse. I mean, that's the whole point. Or tell a friend who needs to adopt a horse that this is the way to do it. Monty trained. And um, we, we're picking some really choice horses, too, that are looking for new homes. 
Fantastic. Uh, well, um, real quick before we go, I didn't haven't done this since the last time you were here. What did you learn today? Oh my God, we learned so much today. Oh, it was such a heavy show. That was so cool about Julie. I think I have to go to the Gobi Gallup, and I learned that I could not survive in Mongolia because I don't like cold, but. I know that I'm going to go contribute to the Mongolian Gobi Gallop. So it was horsetrekmongolia.com forward slash Gobi hyphen Gallop. And it says HTML, but you know, I think you'll find it or the Valu Foundation. I'm, I'm contributing because those kids cannot live on a dump in minus 20 degrees. That's no. just not right. It's, that is, it's happening today. Well, you and I are comfortably having our coffee in a warm room. No way. No way. That's what I learned. There's a lot of people in need and uh, for sure, definitely go check that out. I know you better make sure your husband's not sneaking behind your back to get on a plane because I know your sweet husband will go out there and try to save them all. So yeah, (laughs) uh, give Tom a hug. We love you guys. And thank you for coming on. Jen, thank you for taking charge and uh, dealing with your, you know, poor little angel husband. Yeah. Thanks for taking care of him for us. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. Well, been great fun. Tomorrow is uh, another brand new show. Mary and I geek out on horse training. So tune in tomorrow at horsesinthemorning.com or on the Horse Radio Network app for your iPhone or your Android. All right, everybody. See you. Spay, neuter, gelt. Good luck in your course, Jamie. Have fun. Those students are so lucky. Oh, thanks.